Hey all, Joe here. It's been a couple of months, and I want to thank you for sticking with us. Dan and I needed a bit of a sabbatical, and so we took a little bit of a break this summer. Dan doing a a lot of uh, work with his church and construction, and he's a busy guy. And uh, I'm settling into kind of a a new part of my of my career in that I'm pretty much doing freelance stuff at this point. So fun stuff, but lots of changes and it's very time consuming. But things are starting to settle down. And again, we're really thankful that you're sticking with us and you continue to show interest and and to listen. So today we're happy to kind of restart things with an interview that Dan did with one of our favorite folks, Andrew Marcus. Andrew is incredibly talented, funny, and with an amazing heart for God. And one of the best things about Andrew, at least from my perspective, is that he is one of a very few number of people who have met both Dan and I in person, because we're still going on, I guess, eight years now that Dan and I have not had the opportunity to meet in person. Andrew happens to be one of those people who has done that. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I'm just grateful that we're back and you're back and we have the opportunity to connect some more. Look for some new interviews coming down the road in the not-too-distant future. We'll get back into a regular rhythm. And God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Frequency.fm presents The Amped Interview. Well, we're not sharing the video, but on this podcast right now, anyways, because nobody wants to look at Joe and I. We're a bunch of 40 <laughs> plusers, but um, you're wearing a hat, which I think is your own hat. Did you want to talk about um, what the hat represents? Is that your last album? Yeah, it's the last album. It's uh, from Constant. Yep. And, uh, you know, we just did this really, you know, our video, our graphic guy at our church. It's a very cool story, actually. When I was trying to work on different artwork ideas, I'd send it to the team in Nashville, and they're like, yeah, don't like it. Eh, don't like it. You could do better. You could do better. And so um, we have this event at our church called Night of Creation, where artists, carvers, painters, songwriters, we all come together and just kind of share what you know what God's doing in our art. And um, I said, well, you should. he was like, what if I did a new artwork piece, and I'll do it live on Photoshop the whole night of creation. And so people crowded around his computer and he set up and he just like created the front cover to this album. Wow. And it kind of just had that polygon kind of look in the background. And I thought, oh, that'd be a cool thing for a hat or a shirt or just something kind of random. And yeah. so people ask me, oh, what does it mean? What does it represent? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> some, some people say it looks like a heart. Yeah. Some people say it looks like an oven mitt. <laughs> so... I'll take either. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I I mean, I like techie stuff and it looks sort of like geotechnical. 3D. Yeah. 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 Almost like a molecule. Yeah. It's a 3D oven mitt. <laughs> <laughs> you could, you could make a Christmas version of it and just change the color of the hat. <laughs> Green and red. That's oh so man. Funny. So tell us about what's going on in your life right now. Like, um, I, you know, I, I get to catch up with you on Facebook and stuff cause I'm, I'm friends with you. Thank you for that. Um, I try not to bug people that are on the move all the time, but you've had t- different things happening in your personal life. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Personal life. Well, you know, I'm still at the same church, Coquitlam Alliance church, been there for over four years and it's been amazing. 
Uh, God's just doing such cool things and uh, it's such an amazing family community. So we feel really at home and we're really pumped about that. We also, I mean, the biggest news is we just had our first baby. Mm-hmm. So that's like unbelievable. His name's Benjamin Andrew. Nice. And um, yeah, it's been, it's just been unreal. People, I think the big thing for me is people always warn me, oh, once you have a baby, you can't do this, you can't do that, life's over, no sleep, no, all these different things. And it actually caused a little bit of anxiety, to be honest. Yeah. So many unknowns, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And it actually started giving me straight up anxiety. And um, the baby came, and all the anxiety went away. Yeah. And I think people fail to talk about the other side, the blessings, you know, that it, yeah. the blessings that it's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't sleep that much, but you know, it's just, he's the greatest gift. And so, uh, we're so blessed, so thankful. And I'm, uh, it's just been growing and learning every day, mm-hmm. how to be a dad, how to be a better husband, how I can help. Um, I just went on my first tour, um, yeah of the year, I tried to like stay around as long as I could canceled yeah. a bunch of stuff and being very strategic, what to say yes to you, what to say no to you. Um, uh, but I went to Israel, I just got back a few days ago and it was very, very challenging to be away. And, but my wife, Michelle did an amazing job and mm-hmm. she's, it's just been cool to see her just thrive as a mother. Yeah. Like she's just every doctor or nurse who sees her, they're just like, Oh my goodness. It's like, you've had 10 kids. Like you're (laughs) just an absolute natural. And so it's been cool to see her, um, just being her and seeing how God's just teaching her and giving her insight along the way. It's been special. No, that's awesome. One, you know, I, I have three kids myself and, um, yeah, when I watch my wife go through it, they, your wife tends to take on a totally different role. Obviously it is an actual different role, but it's almost, it's God given, what mm-hmm. what motherhood is and it's mm-hmm. there's no other way to describe it but when you Absolutely. watch it yeah. yeah and when new life appears like all bets are off right you yeah. don't you don't care about the latest and greatest you don't care about totally. you know so yeah it's a huge blessing but now you're because you're an artist um there's tension with that because like you said about travel um, yeah. Do you have sort of a strategy or or a partnership with your wife to like boundaries that you've had to set as a family? Because mm. I know you've got other people coming at you that th- they care about the fact you have a family, but they're running businesses. So, yeah. And you're yeah. a bit of a commodity. I hate to use that term, but mm. that's the reality, right? You represent something that someone else is now promoting. Yeah. Yeah. It's been hard, but you know what's actually really helped me? Um, and I've really been like encouraging and coaching other worship leaders. I've I've started as a coach for a, a ministry called Worship Coalition, where we'll be work, co- coaching worship leaders and songwriters and stuff. But as I've been kind of preparing what I want to help the next generation of leaders, something that's literally changed my life is writing out a mission statement mm-hmm. for myself. And so I've had so many cool opportunities, and they're great opportunities. Yeah. And so my mission statement is, like, Andrew's role right now in this season is to lead and facilitate worship and train and equip the next generation of leaders. Nice. So so if that's my mission statement, now I have this filter where everything that gets thrown at me, I put it through this filter. And if it doesn't add up or line up to this, to this mission, then the answer has to be no. Mm, yeah, that's so good. At, at this point, I've actually just been saying yes to everything. And then I get so drained, tired, mm. you know, 
every time I go on a tour, come back, it's almost like my wife and I have to readjust to me being around and us being together again. It's like, it's actually very hard. No one really talks about that side of travel, but it's very difficult every time I'm almost introducing myself to my wife again. And it's just weird for a few days. Yeah. But, but now with this mission statement, so I got asked to perform at something that I've wanted to perform at for years. And if the opportunity finally came and I'm so excited, but then I'm like, is it leading and facilitating? Not really. Hmm. Is it training and equipping? Uh, not really. <laughs> so if I say yes, it's 100% to have my name in lights. Yeah. That's it. And it's pride and, you know, trying to have me as a, as the success. Hmm. And so now with this mission statement, I actually feel guilty saying yes to something that actually doesn't line up with what I feel God is telling me to do. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it'd be so hard to say no, but when I emailed saying, Hey, I'm so thankful. This is an amazing opportunity. I just can't do it right now in this season. Yeah. And, and it was the most liberating feeling ever. Cause I always say yes. And then when the time comes, I regret it because I'm yeah. so tired and I know I'm doing certain things for the wrong reasons. So that's been the biggest, like, blessing in my life to just help me navigate what I'm supposed to say yes to. And then my wife and I pray about every opportunity. Should I be doing this? Mm -hmm. It lines up perfectly. But even sometimes if it lines up perfectly, it's still, uh, you know, yeah. it might, it might be hard to do. So that, that actually sounds a lot wiser than your years. <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> this is a conversation that Joe had with Paul Blosh talking about transitions. Mm. And wow, interesting. Like, it's the same language you're using and, and, you know, he's, you know, is, is, is it still profitable? Like, the, you know, him, I mean, he's been a mentor, right? He's been connected to you and a, and a help that way. Um, I know we talked yeah. about him before, um, but that is, I might even take that section out of this interview and put it as a special thing because um, mm. I think that's missing because even in the Christian realm, slap any label on it, um, everyone still wants to be noticed. And yeah. especially if you're single, especially if you, you, if your validation comes from everything you do, not who you are. Yeah. Um, so the biggest hurdle in is yourself and mm. self glorification, right? So that's huge for artists to realize. Um, cause and yeah, it's a, it's a it'll hard make or break, balance. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's a hard balance. Like I wrestle with this and I think about it all the time because it's like, well, even Paul, like, and all these people who are doing amazing things, it is really hard work. And it is a lot of effort. You can't just wait and sit for things to fall in your lap. It is, yeah. you know, being confident and sharing your stuff and whatever. But it's this balance between, okay, who am I doing this for? Yeah. What's the purpose? You know, and trying to make sure that you're aligned to what God's plan is for you. Because every time I go down south or, you know, it, it it's obvious that, and I mean, again, this is for every industry. But there is this atmosphere of chasing, 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 mm -hmm. chasing. And it's just, that's not how I want to be. And the term, just the want... term I've heard from some Nashville bloggers is hustle. Oh yeah, totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. And although I understand the reasons why I don't think hustle is mm -hmm. bad because what they're talking about is, is mm -hmm. you need to work hard yeah. to get compensated. That's what they yeah. mean. Yeah. And it's true. But it, 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 yeah. it can be translated into if you're not working 60 or 70 hours a week at your craft and doing it and getting it out there, you're not successful. But if you're not resting and if you're not loving and caring, mm. if you're not connected to a local church, for example, mm -hmm. you know, like 
there, I know there's an expose sort of documentary coming out soon or may already be out about the reality of behind the scenes of the Christian artist industry. Um, and the fact that a lot of them aren't even Christians. Yeah. And, but the reality sure. is they're surrounding themselves with busy people who have, who have significance and influence. Right. So, Oh, the bell went, I'm in a school. So <laughs> <laughs> you talk about rest though. I yep. think rest is key. And that's something that, um, that the commandment I so easily break all the time. Mm-hmm. And I actually was talking to Paul Balash about this when I was in Nashville last, we were songwriting just over Skype and or not Skype FaceTime. Yeah. Um, we ended up just talking about our lives and what, what's been happening lately or whatever. And we kind of organically wrote a song called rest Mm. because it's a place that we both know we need and we wrestle to get there Yeah, because it's hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. And the added thing with being an artist, especially if you're, if you're in the realm of label work, um, Mm -hmm. you're required to do certain things. You're required to be certain places. You're around a lot of, very, very talented, excellent, loving, yeah. caring people. It's a community, right? Um, but it does make you busy. Um, yeah. So you're sure. you're on the whole time you're away. So yeah. rest resting is what you do when you get back home and your wife gets the leftovers, right? <laughs> Which is the worst because we're so tired and jet lagged and just. I don't. I'm not a cool person to be around when I get back from something. I'm annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I feel understand. bad. Yeah. Well, and of course, the kind of travel that you just had, you know, overseas travel is is brutal because you yeah. got to figure out what part of the world you're in again. I know. Um, now, and the because um, we've just been preaching through the life of David here, First um, and Second Samuel, and and I just finished preaching on lament, mm. and um, sometimes there are hard places and dark places. Um, you've always been noticed. I, I've always noticed you as a as a happy or a hmm. exuberant artist, but are there parts of your album or parts of your music coming up that are going to be more chill or lament focused or, hmm. um, or slowing it down a bit, whether that's um, in how you play the music or in the lyrics, has that been something you've, you've sort of looked at? That's really interesting. I mean, a lot of the songs that came out of constant were from really tough seasons in life. You know, this new record that I'm start just starting, beginning the, the process of doing demos and song, just kind of crafting these songs. Um, I do want it to be more authentic, more me. I feel like the last record was like a little bit of me, mm-hmm. but also a little bit of something else. Yeah. And I kind of want to release this independently and I kind of just want to be myself and have a sound that represents me more than it represents kind of the industry, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the one feedback, um, when I play your, I always play the artist songs in my house when I'm going to interview mm-hmm. people and, and my son, yeah. my son, who's very picky. We talked about him before. Um, yeah. he'll go negative first. Yeah. Um, he said, man, that's such a likable guy is what he told me on the positive. Mm. Um, he, he can even hear it in, in your, how you sing, like how you mm. actually portray yourself, especially your music videos is very team oriented. Mm. You're always sort of looking around. You had people around you. It wasn't like you, it was yeah, you yeah, with that. all the other artists. Yeah. Um, but he said it's, I can see why he was picked up quote unquote, because it was mm. singable. It was likable. Um, it was, but you know, Joe and I use the term by the numbers. Mm. Um, it's not meant to be a criticism, but yeah, you, you tick so many of the right boxes in the mm. last album that there was no shock that 
oh man, the industry needs to hear more of this on the radio. Mm. Um, but that's why I'm really asking the question is, okay, you've done that and been successful and you know, you're, of course you're a likable guy. Um, but after that and true artistry kicks in and you want to actually take more of the real life stuff and bring it to the forefront instead of yeah. it being like, you are with me is great. Right. And you're, you're preaching truth in music. Mm-hmm. Um, but does, has, has it hit the heart or is it just singing songs? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good, man. And it's so important. I feel like you know, you were with me was birthed out of a very challenging season where God totally met us. Um, and it really is a song that I still sing as an anthem today because it's not like that hard time only happened once three years ago. Yeah. But even when I was struggling with anxiety, with baby and new life and new season, whatever, that became my anthem again. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, in this, in this valley, I know that you're close. I know that you're close. And to be honest, man, when I wrote these songs, I wrote them with two filters the word of God and my church family. Mm -hmm. So how do I teach my church family about who God is and what he's done? And so when I shared those songs with the label that I was with, they said, Oh, we don't really hear any radio singles. And I said, okay, that makes sense. I mean, I was, I was upset for maybe three minutes (laughs) and then I realized, Oh yeah, I didn't write that for radio. Like my goal wasn't for radio. My goal was to encourage our church family with singable, congregationally friendly, Yeah. realizing yeah. that, you know, the sheep in front of us, maybe 95% of them aren't musical. Mm-hmm. So just something that they could catch and and be able to sing quickly. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the goal for it. And then about three months later, the label emailed me saying, hey, we actually feel like there might be, you know, a single or two. And that was a total surprise to me. Yeah. I said, cool, you know, whatever you guys think. I mean, you know, and so they sent it out to radio and it, you were with me did really, really well. And Yeah, I heard it here in, in little PEI. Yeah, but that was just a surprise. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was not expecting any of that. And so God's kind of just been giving surprises along the way. As far as the next record, I don't know if I want to do, like, radio songs, if that makes sense. I kind of yeah. want it to just have an organic, just real. I want it to be me, not me mixed with something else yeah um and if that means no radio that's fine i mean i don't know yeah well i think and i think radio is having to reevaluate themselves too Uh, we Mm -hmm. could go down a tangent there that's not my point um because i i've had the chance to talk to radio guys um south of the border and north of the border okay and that's why they're going podcast mode they're they're actually mm-hmm. doing what we already do, um, and we thought we were trying to do something different, and now we're not, which is funny. Right. Um, but it's going deeper, so they're they're focused mm. more on. We love your songs, we may not play it, but we're actually going to interview you and talk to you about the songs that we don't play. <laughs> it's really right. funny, um, you know. Interesting. And, yeah, so James Curtis in Toronto does that well, where he does yeah. the Faith uh, Faith Today podcast, I think. Yeah, that's um, right. And, uh, you know, and him and Drew Brown, and they're doing it. And uh, I think Drew Brown is in the same season as you mm-hmm. in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. In fact, he just had a car accident, so he's still trying to figure out how to, <laughs> how to perform yeah. being sore. Um, but it's interesting seeing um, how artists seem to, like, God is almost pushing for, for depth and mm-hmm. less, less uh, flash. Is that what yeah. putting it? People are looking for, for um, realism. Because, yeah, and people yeah. have been looking for that for a while. Yeah. I find even like, you know, I, on this Israel tour, you know, we had like something like a concert promoted in Jerusalem. 
and we're so excited for it. It's going to be awesome. And I realized right away, like, you know, I don't know how to do a concert. Mm. <laughs> I don't, I actually don't know how to perform. And like, even when I did a tour with a couple other artists across Canada last spring, I was so excited about it, but I kind of just felt a little out of place because I'm not a performer. Like even at my church, it's not about performance. It's literally just shepherding people with, with instruments and just like taking us on a journey. Yeah. You're pointing people upwards, not at yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I, I don't know how to do anything else. So, yeah, but I think what I've heard from people is people actually just appreciate that. They don't really care about the person or the band or whatever. They actually just, people are coming to church because they're actually hungry and they need something. Mm -hmm. They know they need something. Yeah. They could be doing, they could be getting performance anywhere else 10 times better than the church will do, but they're actually making their way to church because they need an encounter with God, yeah. whether they realize it or not. And so our job is not to perform and get them all, you know, entertained. Yeah. It's actually yeah. just get out of the way and say, Hey, this is this is the one who can actually change your life. Mm -hmm. And would would yeah. you say it's easier to to be a worship leader in front of people then because the whole point is self deflection? I find it easier. I feel like or at least that's just how I'm wired. Hmm. I mean, some people are wired differently and it's not the other way's bad. There's no bad and good. Yeah. It's just for me personally, I'm learning that I'm wired to not necessarily perform or entertain but to just really get out of the way yeah that's just me though that's me well and i'm gonna transition um because i want to talk about sharing the road like the yeah the um yeah like that came out of nowhere to me like yeah. i i'd seen pictures of you sharing cars in the past yeah yeah you know did it come out of your passion or did this come out of nowhere like like give me the Give me the oh, 411 man. on sharing the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I've been working on it for about two and a half years. I'll go back all the way till the story of my birth. My first <laughs> word was car. <laughs> I've been obsessed with cars ever since I could speak. <laughs> you and my son need to talk, man. He's a car uh, dude as well. So I love, love, love cars. I'm actually building a car from the ground up right now on my spare time, um, <laughs> which now doesn't exist cause there's a baby, but, yeah. um, I love, love, love cars. So my desire was, okay, how do I, I love cars. I love music and I love people, not in that order. Yeah. Thank the Lord people first, but those are like my three big passions. How, is there any way I could put everything together and just do something that could kind of touch on all those things that I absolutely love. And so for the last two and a half years, I've been kind of working on this show and, you know, the desire for the show 100% is to just uh, be a unique resource to the church. You know, we interview songwriters, guitar players, drums, whatever, uh, worship leaders, producers, and we just talk, they just kind of share their road, they share their journey of how they're doing and how they got to where they are and what are some speed bumps along the way. And how can we kind of train the next generation of leaders and writers and worship leaders, producers um, from the best? Yeah. How do we, you know, and every interview I've had. So season one, I signed a deal with Pure Flix, which is so exciting. Yeah. But did you have to package this thing up and sell it or did somebody hear about it? So I reached out to Pure Flix, honestly, maybe a year and a half or two, like as the project was just starting. Yeah. And they absolutely loved the idea. So... I packaged it together, came up with branding, kind of 
had a full package thing and then yeah. kind of presented it to them and then they were interested and we kind of negotiated, signed a two-year contract where it's okay. streamed semi-exclusively on PureFlix. Um, I can stream it on other sites that are subscription-based, but yeah. I can't release it for free anywhere. Right. Or else. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So we've been talking with Netflix and trying to connect with different people, but Amazon Prime um, stuff like that. Amazon Prime would be amazing. Yeah. So um, we're still kind of looking at what the next step will be, mm-hmm. but we just released it last month on PureFlix, and um, you know I'm excited about it. Every every interview I did, like I just came home so full like these people like these people that are you know new friends and old friends um just have so much wisdom and have gone before us for so many years that you just like i've taken so many things they've said and put it into my ministry or into my travel or into my home life or boundaries or whatever yeah um it's just been such an amazing tool for me Mm -hmm. so i'm praying it'll be a tool for for others but um well, yeah, it almost it almost sounds so. I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, there's so many questions going through my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll keep going. Yeah, you because know, like it, it ticks. I, I've I've used that term too many times. I think it's not a good a good thing to do. <laughs> repeat myself, but it's, it's ticking the boxes of what people are actually consuming right now. I think I almost mm-hmm. thought to myself when I was talking to Joe about it. I think um, that you're brilliant. Like you're you're ahead of the curve because you look at what Seinfeld's doing with celebrities and cars having coffee and mm-hmm. and um, you know the I forget the late late show where he just takes a celebrity like Justin Bieber and they just go and drive around and talk. But people will consume that like it's going into style because it's real like we just said it's that's it's what i wanted something authentic yeah, yeah authentic yeah. but it's yeah. also cool because like what car are they driving oh that's what they wear oh that's the watch they wear or you know like what kind yeah. of you know capo do you like like silly things come out right yeah. and you don't get that in in polished um like sit down interview stuff yes and that's what i really really want i wanted it to be like okay educational resourceful to the next generation of leaders all these other people and uh, just very authentic. Mm. We can ask silly questions. We can ask real questions. Hear testimonies. Hear, you know, salvation stories or like, you know, how did you even get involved? And what would you say to someone who wants to, like, you know, yeah. all these kind of stuff that's just kind of, it's almost like the whole interview is off the record. Yeah. Yeah. If exactly. That makes sense. And then and people just, feel like they have a backstage pass. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's been really, really special. And I'm excited to see. So there's 13 episodes for season one. Uh, we did Drew Shirley from Switchfoot and yeah. Ed Cash and, you know, talked about producing and boundaries. And, and Jordan Feliz. Uh, yeah. Jordan Feliz, Montel Jordan. Montel Jordan was a funny story. So I really, honestly, I have to say, I feel like, well, I know that the idea only came from the Lord. Yeah. Like, he put the passions in me to begin with mm-hmm. and kind of gave me the idea of, of everything, even with Montel Jordan. So Montel Jordan would have been the biggest artist we did in season one. Yep. And, you know, I woke up at four in the morning and the Lord told me at four in the morning, email Montel Jordan. I don't know Montel Jordan. Yeah. I've never talked to Montel Jordan. I don't know how to email Montel Jordan. (laughs) So I go to his website. I'm half asleep and I find out he's a pastor. I didn't even know he's a pastor. I didn't know yeah, he wrote a marriage book, and he's in ministry. He's a worship leader at a church in Atlanta. Like, this was all bizarre to me. Yeah. So I go to his website. I just send a message. Hey, you know, we're doing this thing, and you're going to be in town. We'd love to whatever. And he writes back. He's like, yeah, we'd love to. I yeah. couldn't believe it. I thought yeah. it was just a joke. But it all started from the Lord, like, very clearly. 
kind of speaking and me kind of stepping out after hearing his voice. And so the whole thing really is just a testimony of God's goodness. And um, uh, I'm really, really, really excited about it. Yeah, Um, I can tell. Yeah, it's because, again, if you think of mission statement, training and equipping the next generation of leaders, like very intentionally. And if God's given you a unique platform that is within your passions, but would be sort of off the charts or, or way out of the scope of what you would have thought going yeah. in. Okay. So I'm an artist. So I'm going to pick up my guitar and I'm going to play music in front of people. And, and that's good, but I love cars and Oh, now I get to talk to those people in a car. Um, yeah, that's, that's just awesome. Um, and what would be the most memorable of the 13 that you did so far? Not as a popularity thing, but more like what, yeah. what happened that was most memorable on one of those journeys. Yeah, well, I did an episode with Dan Bremnis, oh, yeah. and because um, he was living in Vancouver at the time, he goes back and forth from Vancouver to Nashville. But um, I hate driving in Vancouver because there's just so many one ways and traffic, and it's just like frustrating and yeah. parking and whatever. So I told him, "Hey, what if we like rented a tandem bike?" <laughs> and we bike around the seawall and i mean and then we both wore each other's merch so i was wearing a dan bremis t-shirt he was wearing a constant (laughs) t-shirt and we literally just put gopros on our helmets and on and our camera guys followed us on rollerblades that's awesome (laughs) and we literally biked around the seawall talking about stuff and it was just it was unbelievable (laughs) wow well that is great um were there any were there any um um, risks that you were, weren't allowed to take or did you have freedom to sort of pick and choose how things were going to go? I kind of had freedom, man. I just feel like I, I tried to make it as um, unprepared as possible mm-hmm. just so that the conversation was real. Of course, mm-hmm. I'd email them and say, hey, is there any specific talking points you'd like to talk about? Like if you want to promote a new record or whatever, I'd love to make sure I include that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's kind of just off the cuff well what about the cars like i i didn't get a chance to watch it all because i don't have a pure flix oh, account right now yeah, yeah. but yeah um but yeah how did you arrange all that because i'm assuming yeah. if you're building a car it's not yours yet yes i'm building a car and that car should be done by 2080 um, <laughs> so benjamin's great 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 grandson can, <laughs> <That's> uh, <laughs> right. yes. can use it but um uh there so for season one I only had the one episode with Montel Jordan where I used a friend's car. It was a Cadillac convertible on hydraulics, like a low rider. Oh, so yeah. I thought that would kind of, so we're kind of hitting switches driving around. It was really funny. <laughs> but um, everything else was either my personal car or rental cars when I was traveling. So when I go to Nashville or wherever I am, I'll bring the cameras with me. And, you know, we'd kind of record them kind of on the fly, on this, like, you know, just last minute. Mm-hmm. So season one doesn't have a lot. The bike episode and the Montel Jordan episode would be the two that were like strategic with, you know, and they were towards the end of the season. Yeah, uh, We're working on season two now and we have kind of a different, a bigger camera crew and different things. And that is going to be a season where there's less episodes, mm-hmm. but every car will be different and uh, we're kind of being more strategic. So we've been connecting with dealerships, yep. uh, trying to connect with, you know, classic car uh, dealerships and trying to figure out what we can do. Um, you know, I, I, this is a fun story. So our baby was due April 24th and on April 22nd, I had locked in to do an episode with David Crowder, 
which yep. I was like so excited about. And so we found like an old like hippie truck, like 60s pickup <laughs> truck. And I wanted to have his little white fox dog in the bench seat between us. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited, but our baby came early yeah. uh, on the 21st. So I had to tell him, hey, dude, it's not going to work, but we'll plan for a different time. But I've just been reaching out to friends. Hey, do you um, do you know someone who has a car like this? Or I'm doing an episode with this person. This car mm-hmm. would really... So it's just trying to network and connect with friends in the car world. I, I started a car company when I was 18. And um, I still have a lot of those connections from when I was younger. And so just kind of reaching out to them and... Yeah reaching out to other car friends that I have if there's anything available. So sort of a uh, West coast customs feel. Yeah. It's so <laughs> fun, man. Cause it's all about networking and connections and friendships and Hey, you know, can you bring this to this show? And yeah. And when you get a, a posse of guys that are of course proud of their cars, so who wouldn't want to have the yeah. car featured, right? Yeah. So. And we'll pay them like, you know, to honor them for letting us use it. And yeah. Um, when, uh, so we started season two already. We did two episodes, one with Tim Hughes, and one with uh, JD from Hillsong United, which was an amazing episode. Nice. And we used uh, an old 1985 Pontiac Fiero. Oh, man. <laughs> I actually wanted one of those when I was younger. <laughs> Me too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's so happy awesome. I never owned one, though, because it's very hard to drive. It just feels really weird, and yeah. it's not a daily driver for sure. Yep. But we had fun in it. It was like kind of the poor, poor man's Ferrari. <laughs> wow, man. Well, when I traveled early on in, in our, our little Christian band called End of Illusion, which you probably can't find anything on it now, we actually drove, they named the car Ruthie, and it was a okay. little four-door brown Chevette. Oh, um, yes. Manual steering. So once you get going, you're okay, but driving and trying to park the thing and like reefing and reefing but this thing would go for 11 bucks from like north bay to toronto <laughs> it was just a tank but anyways not around anymore but yeah like we <laughs> it, it's funny when you see a rock band show up with drums and keyboards and guitars in the back of of little ruthie that's amazing yeah so i mean <laughs> the things you do when you're young and foolish right for and, sure and i can't complain about those times because i met my wife on the road um, nice when i was in muskoka but um yeah well i i can't wait to watch it i think i'm gonna get a subscription just so i can watch the show because i saw the teaser and my boys and i are like oh man i want to see that i think you can get a 30-day free trial like netflix yeah i might check I it I, out yeah because yeah. i mean we love cars my boy he's into subaru um oh yeah those are awesome he likes subarus he likes anything that's been souped up um jacked lord you name it he loves it and uh um, my other son he's into more of the mechanics my father-in-law's a mechanic you know there's cars have been around us um, oh that's fun yeah and i have a garage big enough for them but they're gonna have to buy the cars because i can't afford it <laughs> <laughs> you buy the cars you can provide the storage yeah exactly hey so. storage is a big deal man i'm building this car right now and i'm running out of storage and i'm trying to just hide parts all over the place. It's it's so, got to be really expensive where you live for anything like that. Yeah, it takes. It, and it, I mean, that's why the project will take a long time. It's kind of try to do as much as you can on your own and yeah. kind of learn as you go. Um, but it's fun. It's a '61 Chevy that I'm building. Oh man! And it's a, an Impala bubble top. Yeah, I'm just so excited about it, man. Yeah, my father-in-law had two Road Runners from oh, back in the wow. day. He doesn't have them now. I wish he did, but. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Wow. Um, a question I like to ask artists a lot is, 
So how do you survive being an artist? Like, how do you pay bills? Do you have to have another job? Does your wife have to work? Like, does mm. the church pay you? How does that all work if, if you're getting a paycheck, but then you have to travel? You know, there's artists in residence in the US, but yeah. they got deeper pockets. Yeah. So, so how does that work for you as a family to just, you know, to feed your family? Yeah. Growing family. Yeah. Um, what do most artists respond? They live in a van down by the river? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Chris Farley <laughs> way of doing life. No. Um, no. A lot of them just it's basically so say, hey, man, you know, like, you know, I work at the corner shop or, you know, I'm yeah. a waiter or, you know, sort of the, the the typical Nashville thing. I work in a coffee shop, but I'm really an artist. Um, yeah. But, you know, in Canada, it's like I'm a worship leader and I take three weeks off a year and I use those three weeks to do music. And that's the way it yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah, I'm in that boat. I mean, I work full time in my church and that's kind of priority. That's home base. And yeah. that's where all the songs come from. That's where all the experiences and learning and all that comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a music team of about 70 people. And so just shepherding them and loving them and that kind of takes my time. Um, they give me a certain amount of weeks unpaid leave. Okay. Um, and then I have vacation, which I really try not to dip into that. In? Yeah. Yeah. And actually rest. Yeah. And then, um, and yeah, so I just try to be really strategic, mm-hmm. but I feel like, again, like I wouldn't even, I struggle to consider myself an artist. If that <laughs> makes sense. I kind of like shepherd first and, you know, everything else that comes out of that still with that desire and that passion to just kind of shepherd. And well, with that same vein, if, if you don't consider yourself an artist individually, do you have, like, is your band, if you go on the road, is it made up of your church guys or is a band handed to you or, or do you do it solo? How does that work? Yeah, it depends really. I mean, anything I do in Canada, I'd love to use my bandmates and they're all from my church. Yeah. Cause we do ministry all the time together. Right. So we kind of know each other and, you know, I, I pick some, some of the people on the, on our music team. And, um, if it's in the States, since there's visa stuff and it's kind of hard to bring all of them and they have to get P2s and all that stuff. Yeah. I'll just hire out musicians on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then same with Europe. Like I'll go to Europe again. I went on the fall last year. I'm going again this October. And it's just like a church in Switzerland will provide a band. We, we practice, we play together in the church in Germany and then Belgium. And they all kind of learn the songs and we have some rehearsals. And that's my favorite because it's the church capital C. Yeah. yeah. And, and now you're networking and you're just building lifelong friendships. Like, honestly, I brought my mom on my last tour, which is the first time bringing my mom on a tour. That's and awesome. We went to France, Switzerland, Belgium, and Germany. Yeah. And every time we left a country, we, we were literally crying because we were like going to miss these people so much. And we were just with them for four days, three days. Mm-hmm. But it, be, it you just become instantly like – and the reality is we're not kind of like brothers and sisters. We're literally brothers and sisters yeah. in one family. So mm-hmm. we we're actually leaving family and to meet new family and, you know, and all these different places. That's just the biggest joy because it's people first. Yeah. Everything that I do, as you even noticed – with music videos, whatever. It's people, 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 people. Everything else is secondary. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, man, it's, I feel like I could just keep asking you questions, but I want to wrap <laughs> it up for the sake of time and uh, respect your family time and that. But um, what are what are some key things coming up that we can pray for? Mm. Um, that's good. Uh, I think pray for this next record. I really am praying that God 
at the end of the day, he, he will provide the songs and mm-hmm. for his people. And so just, just for that financially. And, you know, when I did the interview, uh, with Brian Dirksen for the show, we talked about, you know, back in the day, a song would be huge and it would pay for a house or pay for whatever. Like those days are over. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, and he was even saying this himself, like you, we just take out almost like a loan to do these records knowing for sure we will not cover the cost. Yeah. We will go in the red hundred percent. That's kind of the reality. And so for me, sometimes I'm like, ah, why would I thinking of it on the business side? It's like, that's a pretty bad investment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the Christian realm where, you know, if you're, you're trying to be faithful and, but it does cost money to make money but it depends yeah. on what the end goal is. Because you said, like, if you have a mission statement and it doesn't meet the mission statement, then you're not going to throw money at it. It's one thing yeah. if it's free, but yeah, to throw right. money at it. Because you almost have to, like, beg, borrow, and steal resources and people and, hey, man, can I pay you later and all that kind of stuff. Because then you're not valuing people's time. Because, I, I mean, if you're focused on the people, you have yeah. to value their time. Yeah. Um, the producers need to get paid. Yeah, and they're doing all a great job. Like you want yeah. to honor them and the musicians and all that stuff. Like it's important. But this is something that I've learned. I'll have to share. I have to share this mm-hmm. for artists who are listening. Um, if it's God's will, He'll pay the bill. Mm. Honestly, for Constant, it was working with Ed and Scott Cash in Nashville, and the, our, our Canadian dollar was horrible at the time. And I yeah. kept like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And I kept backing out. No, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too expensive, too expensive. God paid for the entire record. Even mm-hmm. some random people just giving American money at church. Like you can't, like it, it doesn't make sense. And even this yeah. new one that I'm working on, I spent a day in the studio. It costed a certain amount. As soon as I got home, as soon as I got home, a guy wired me exactly the amount I needed. Mm. Randomly, a guy who like I knew from school I haven't seen in five, six years. And he said, oh, you know, I just felt like I needed to just send you some money just to Mm. sow into your ministry. I'm like, you have no idea. I just came back from the studio. It costed (laughs) this much and you literally just sent it. And that was God's reminder saying, you know what? If I'm going to lead you to something, it's my church. It's my money. It's my Mm. songs. You're mine. It's my CD. Yeah. The Lord's saying, you know, this has nothing to do with you. Wow. And and that just takes all the stress and anxiety. And he's the promoter. He's the marketer. He's the distributor. He's the publisher. Yeah. He's the label. Like, yeah. it has nothing to do with us. So I'm wow. reminded again of that. And that happened at Constant. And then I'm freaking out this year. And all of a sudden, God's just providing. So praying for this record is huge. Yeah. I'm also doing a five-song EP in French from Constant, because when we went to France and Belgium, people responded so much. So Paul Balash is singing on it again in French, and we're getting... We're well, he, yeah, he's, his family's from Quebec, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we, we're doing that, and we're releasing that in September. It's a, it's called Tue avec moi, which is You Are With Me. Yes. Yeah. I think um, I, I heard him on his feed sharing about, like, or at least singing it, or doing something, because yeah. he's very active on social media, which is cool. Yeah, for an old for dude, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Praying no. for those, praying for the show, praying for season two as we keep working on it, and yeah, praying for family and our church family. And I mean, the list could go on. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, that God just kind of intervenes in everything and kind of takes charge of it all. Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors 
creatives, and experts. For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm.